Hey, welcome everybody to 5-Pin Universe's fourth podcast. My name is Kerry Kreitz, your host. We have uh, the usuals, Adam Weber, Dexter Wiseman, and Tim Wiseman. And we have special guest Jeff Young from Elmira, Ontario. He's the 2014 Club Tour Champion at Neb's Fun World and 2010 Duckpin Professional Bowlers Association Rookie of the Year. So I guess it will bring up as our first topic, Jeff. Um, so how was your experience playing down in the DPBA uh, as compared to playing the WCBT? Um, well, to be honest, I always kind of classify it as uh, a parallel universe. Um, all your skills translate. Um, you know, you throw in the same size, weight, ball. Um, lane's still the same length. You throw in three balls a frame. Um, but you're throwing for some stuff that you've never seen before. And their theories behind some spare shots are definitely away from the way we think. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely an experience that I would say, um, every competitive five pin bowler, I really wish that they would, you know, make the effort to experience it. I know for guys out West, it's a little harder um, than it would be from, you know, someone from Southern Ontario or Quebec, but, uh, it's, a it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I see, uh, you go play there, uh, Mike Herbert, Mitch Davies. Um, I seen Sylvain Bercier went and played out there a couple of times. I think he even won one of the big events out there. Sylvain, Sylvain was the, uh, first Canadian to ever win, uh, a Duckpin, uh, pro tour event. Um, and, uh, that would have been, the Hagerstown stop, which is like, uh, it's their big event. It's their big money tournament. They hold that in May every year. Right. Yeah. I've seen, uh, some of the videos. I'm not sure who posted it, if it was Rod Weaver or who it was, but it was, uh, pretty cool to watch seeing him play so well. And, uh, you could even hear some of the people whispering in the crowd, who is he and stuff like that. So it was pretty neat to see one of our best players out there competing fairly well. It's a lot of fun. Um, just because no one knows who you are. Um, I know for, for say, the four of you guys, if you're going to pull anything out, out west, I mean, your name's going to follow you. Um, you know, you're not really going to catch anybody off, uh, off guard by your abilities, but um, you go down south of the border and literally nobody knows who you are. Yeah. And uh, they're genuinely intrigued and they're, um, they're very warm to greet you and, and hear your story and learn about you. And, and, um, kind of going along with that in in ontario anyway i feel um aside from growing and and uh harvesting good youth bowlers um for five pin tournaments on the competitive side to succeed we need these players that are playing duck pin to to come up and bowl five pin i mean you have access to um a hundred you know competitive duck pin bowlers that could jump right into a tournament five pin and have an opportunity to make a cut. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Walt Brooks, I do believe, has come out to a few events, especially out west here too. So, and he's competed it fairly well mm-hmm. in him. So, yeah, like you said, I, I, you can definitely see it translates fairly easily across the two games. Yeah, and they're very passionate. Um, it's the sports are eerily similar in where they are in the game. Um, a lot of places closing down. Um, Maybe not for for the WCPT, but um, you know, in Ontario, competitive bowling seems to be on the decline. Um, same down there, um, 
but the passion's still there were the ones that are, I would say, like more uh, uh, elite bowlers. You see it, and they're not afraid to travel to bowl a couple tournaments here and there. Jeff, I got a question for you. I know that Duck Pin's huge in Quebec. Uh, do any of those bowlers from Quebec who make their way down to the, the U.S. as well? It's a, it's actually a different style duck pin. Um, oh, is it a bit? Yeah. So, so the the Quebec um, duck pin. I mean, I call it uh, rubber ducks. Um, <laughs> it they do have the rubber bands like we do on the five pins. The soft uh, belly. Yeah. So we we play hard belly, which is, you know, straight up like mini ten pins, and uh, it goes everywhere. The, the pin action's crazy. Um, oil their lanes, you know more than you guys do at West, for sure. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they have uh, conveyor belts that go down in, beside the uh, pin deck in the, in the uh, gutters, <clears throat> and those are live. So if you can wash some pins going back and forth, um, you know, it might take you 45 seconds to a minute to throw a strike. <clears throat> you just sit and wait till the pin stops spinning. And if it takes out pins, it takes out pins. It's all good. Ah, you never that. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, for the for the cash tournaments out there, did I do I understand right that you only have one opportunity? You cannot rebuy. Yeah, no rebuys. Um, and uh, talking to a lot of them, I, I I do feel like that's something that um, maybe they're kind of hoping changes. Um, I guess the governing body is kind of I don't want to say set in their ways, but they've got their tradition, and this is the way we do it. Um, but, um, I think more that they bowl our tournaments, um, they kind of see the value in it and it's, it's easier for, you know, someone who's in their case, maybe driving six, seven hours to bowl a tournament to know they have a couple shots. If they only have one shot, you know, they might not make that trip if they're kind of like a fringe player. Yeah. yeah. I think that's even true in our side. <clears throat> I think we would lose quite a few travelers from other provinces if we didn't have that rebuy option, right? Yeah. I mean, TPC, we had 88 re-entries, right? 88? Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge number. It's just a lot of, uh, a lot of risk and uh, trust to put in yourself to make something happen in eight games, you know, especially for guys like us who, mm -hmm. I mean, you can't practice the game. Um, to make that trip for me to go to Rhode Island is 10 or 11 hour car ride each way. So that's a long trip to make, to know that you have to have it in eight games or you're going home. Mm -hmm. Or you make a Jeff, mini Jeff. vacation. <laughs> well, and that's what, that's the beauty of it. Cause their tour goes, uh, coincides with the summer. So their first, their first stop starts in April and last is, is usually in like October. Um, so, I mean, you go to the Maryland stops, you can go to, you know, uh, an Orioles game, Nationals game. My wife and I go to the White House occasionally because it's close. Um, you know, and if you go Rhode Island or Connecticut, you know, for those gamblers, there's some good casinos in the area. Um, I've been to a Red Sox game at Fenway, just, you know, kind of make a trip out of it. I mean, certainly more appealing than, than you know, um, trying to make a vacation out of uh, Regina in February. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you're going to bowl. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's hard I, enough I to don't, walk I across don't. that street. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. We, um, we actually uh, we have a running joke with uh, some of the duck pin bowlers. And uh, 
I was trying to describe Regina and how cold it was. And the one year that I bowled, um, it was like minus 50 or whatever. And, uh, and trying to explain, cause they don't know what that is. I mean, they come up to my place and it's minus 15 and they, they're dying. Um, but, uh, I explained it as, you know, staying kitty corner from the bowling alley in the hotel, crossing the street and then going inside KFC to warm up for a few minutes to cross the street the other way. So whenever we talk about cold weather, they always ask me, is it cold or is it KFC cold? (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jeff, you said the, uh, you know, the ball size and everything's the same for duck fin. Uh, what about uh, like the the makeups uh, of the ball? Does it translate very similar to the five pin game also? Well, the um, well, what they would call the kind of like the new age comet. Um, the comets are actually originally a duck pin ball. Um, I guess Epco pretty much designs the balls with the idea that they're duck pin balls. Um, so really, everything's exactly the same. Um, now, in terms of how they deliver the ball, um, if that's kind of the route you're going, um, they, they're very much a power game as well. And, uh, you know, uh, I would say that the, the four of you guys, you know, here would, would translate very well um, ability-wise and um, just the fact that you got a little something on the ball with some good rotation. I mean, those are huge keys to uh to being successful um at that game i believe anyway um i always i always say the power chop shot is is my money maker mm-hmm. if i can throw that uh i'm burying nine pins every every first ball and making easy spares right is it is it more of a spare game than it is a strike game? oh 100 100 yeah um i remember the first time i threw four in a row and let me tell you that's a big deal um, I, it was like, uh, about a month later, I got an envelope in the mail and they sent me a fridge magnet four in a row and the date that I did it and the bowling alley I did it in. That so, is awesome. Wow. So, you know, and it's funny cause you, you know, the, the, the lingo that we use in five pin, you have a rough start in a couple frames and then you say, well, it's nothing that six in a row wouldn't cure. They look at you kind of funny when you say that down there cause <laughs> you're not throwing six in a row. Yeah. <clears throat> So you know, out of all the all the uh, five pin stuff that you get, you know all the little stupid little turkey pins and all that stuff. I bet you kept that that four in a row. Uh, Still on my fridge in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I figured. That's what I figured. So, so, so Jeff, how much is a membership for the duck pin tour? So they do it a couple different ways. Um, you can either bowl full membership, um, which if you play Hagerstown, which I said before, is their big money tournament. You have to pay the membership um, right away. That's fifty dollars for the year, U.S. Um, and you also have a, you have to have a shirt with your name on the back. Um, nothing crazy. Um, they're usually um, some pretty wild color combinations, but they're all pretty much standard. You know, um, like a golf shirt with uh, um, their names like four inch four inch letters in the back. Um, the other option is for first time bowlers. Um, you can do what's called adopt a bowler and you don't have to pay a membership fee. You just wear a collared shirt and uh, you just pay the entry fee for the tournament and, and away you go. Um, once you use that one adopt a bowler, it doesn't matter if it's 10 years down the road, it's the next time you go to bowl, you have to pay the membership and play. 
So you can use one of us then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bring a bus. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to use them all in one year, Jeff. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter, like, on my end. It's just it, it matters um, for for the first timer, right? So yeah. um, I always say that if I can get you down for one time, there's a good chance you're going to bowl it again um, just because it's a lot of fun. So I try and bring as many people as I can down to travel with me, you know, and, uh, and, and make it a good experience for them too. So. Well, whoever doesn't make open nationals going to Maryland in May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good time I, to be yeah, in Maryland. Exactly. Yeah. I, I guess it would be, be Kerry because he's the only one on Central. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy that's lost the last three out of four years. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks for the information, Jeff. That's fantastic. It's great to hear. Well, Jeff is here, so let's talk bowling balls. Okay. <laughs> you knew that was coming uh, up. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I, I could talk bowling balls all day. So uh, having you on here is awesome because I think it's great. I, this isn't really Adam Weber's sort of conversation. <laughs> right? He's got the same balls for a million years, but uh, I, I love talking bowling balls. I love talking composition. I love reaction, uh, pin reaction, the way they affect the splash, watching where your ball goes. But uh, I've never really had the opportunity of talking about making bowling balls until you came up to TPC. Gotcha. So I find that really fascinating. Um, do you want to enlighten everybody what's going on? Um so there's a couple of us in Ontario that are um, working on some projects, we'll say, um, and uh, more specifically, um, actual creation of bowling balls um, within specs. You know, um, right now we're working on a plastic resin ball that, uh, you know, is hopefully something that um, I believe that our, our sport um, is looking for. Um, and, kind of catering towards um, the understanding of bowling equipment and what the differences do. And I would say that uh, um, one of the major things that I feel that we lack in our sport is the understanding of whatever, uh, what our equipment actually does for us. Um, you know, I always, I always kind of make a joke and, you know, ask people, you know, like, well, why do you throw that ball? And their reply would be because it's pretty. <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's yeah. composition that makes a difference, right? So um, understanding what not only the weight and diameters do, but the hardness of the ball is is, mm -hmm. is really key, how it moves on the lane even. You know, if I throw a, a 72D ball over a 90D ball, it's going to move a lot more um, than, you know, um, and, and that's something to really to be – kind of taken into consideration um i don't know what everyone here throws but i mean i throw old school uh, uh star lines so yeah you know see that's my thing i, I yeah, think star, uh, line, star line star line yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love the star lines but i think that's kind of where epco has kind of like dropped the ball a little bit too is that i mean there really needs to be an information package out there being like, hey, this is how the ball is designed to move. Um, I know it, it does vary from person to person, but but still, there should be some sort of information. Uh, they put the hardness in it, but they don't describe what the hardness scale even means to people. For sure. So there's very few people that actually understand it. 
Um, star lines are hands down my favorite bowling ball, even though I haven't been using them as often lately. Um, I just love the way they react. I love the movement. I love the, the soft rules. Yeah, the, the soft rules move a lot, but the star lines move to me just as much. But I love the fact that they're late breaking. They slide and snap, and I and I love the way they react with the pins. They keep they keep the bands or they keep the pins down more. I find than I than the soft rules do. They don't react with the bands as much. Um, so I. I Starlines are always my favorite, but I think the Starlines are so unique in the fact that it has the outer coating and then the the rubber in the middle, right? It's like, isn't it like, like almost the same sort of concept as a golf ball, in a in sort of way? Um, as far as like the composition, I've never hacked up an old school Starline yet. So um, the only <laughs> reason I kind of know that is when you go through an airport and then you get to see they X-ray some of the bags. The Starline is the only one I've noticed where it's an actually a two-piece ball. There's two different materials inside the bowling yeah. ball. Mm-hmm. It has a, That's a, a little bit, uh, I guess, more solid core because the x-ray can't see through it. And then the, the outer core is a little bit more lighter, it seems like. And it's probably about an inch thick, I would say, from what I remember seeing on the x-ray. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the only two-piece ball out there. I don't... Like, soft rolls, I'm sure, are just resin one, one, piece. one piece, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen a soft roll split in half. Yep. So I'm pretty sure that, that, yeah, it's just straight rubber. Yeah. It yeah. is. It is 100%. Yeah. 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 Um, um, is there any truth, Jeff? I heard a, I heard a rumor. I was talking to one of your Ontario guys out there that uh, a soft roll with black in it is moves straighter than a soft roll that doesn't have black in it. Um, I don't know about that, to be honest with you. Um, I. I don't even uh, I don't throw star uh, soft rolls. No. Um, okay. So I've to be honest with you, and maybe it's part neglect on my end, but I mean I, I've no. never really paid too much attention to um, that particular ball, just because I don't feel like that's for me. You know. Um, yeah. I do have a softer ball that I do throw, um, and uh, it's it's a Ram Pro rubber, and the only reason why I have that style versus any other is that. Um, I wanted a four and seven eighths, three, three, 12 ball and, uh, soft roll couldn't do that for me. So that's the only reason. And, and even then, if it's really slick, I might throw that, but other than that, they'll stay in the bag too. And I just pretty much just throw, mm-hmm. throw the, uh, the star lines. The only thing I know for sure with the, the soft rolls is that the ballistics are the three color, the tri-color and they're the harder version of the bowling mm-hmm. ball. The missiles yeah. are the 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 two color and they'll be softer. I think they're in around like the seventy. It's a range. It's not a specific um, a specific hardness scale, but it's it's like seventy two to seventy four. I think for missiles, mm-hmm. and then like ballistics are seventy six to seventy eight or something yeah. somewhere around there. Um, but I never saw anything about about um, uh, the black in there at all. The the one thing Phipps did do, which I, I applaud them for, over. Uh, EPCO is that they actually did put an information package in there saying, hey, this is how these bowling balls are designed to move. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like I said, I, I really think that's something we're missing in the game. And maybe that's something uh, through the podcast that you know we, we can figure out and, and approach and, and maybe put that together for people so that they actually understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's just really, it's really important to educate our bowlers. Um, you know, even even very competitive bowlers, you know, having conversations with them and they don't, they don't fully understand what their actual equipment does for them. 
And, um, I mean, that right there could be the opportunity to take your game to the next level just from an information basis that they can understand what their equipment's doing and, uh, you know, apply it to their game. Yeah, I, that's a big difference with soft rolls too. They come out in different generations as well, right? Like the first time it came out, uh, I think Johnstone has an original. It's so soft compared to even the new missiles that come out. They're, they're not even the same composition. There's no way. Um, so as they come out with new generation of ball, like they're changing compositions, I do believe, every time they come out with a new reiteration, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, to me, to be honest with you, I think the, the biggest misconception is uh, is diameter of the ball, right? You know, and weight, I, I find, at least. Um, a lot of us out there don't understand, like, how, like, what what flushes the pins, right? You know, a band is based off of a ball, it's based, oh, sorry, a band's based off of a five-inch ball, right? Um, and people don't realize that either, right? They, don't, they, they want a smaller, lighter ball because they can maybe rip it down faster or or, um, or grip it better, but it's really not doing much of an advantage to them. Yeah, I would even say the the black bases against the traditional white bases make yeah. a difference because those black bases are just a touch bigger and yeah. the pin sits higher, right? So that does make a difference. Yeah, it's, it's all the more reason to go to a 5-inch ball if you can do it, for sure. The more you can hit those bands flush, the better chance you have to keep your pins down, right? But it's... It is something we need to educate our bowlers about. And I, I think it starts with the YBC program, and I think that's something that um, we've really missed out on in a lot of it is just, you know, explaining the kids to watch watch your pin reaction because your pin reaction will tell you everything. It'll tell you if you're throwing a flat ball. It will tell you if your ball is too heavy or you need to – or too light, if you're seeing too much deflection or if you need to change angles. Uh, there's so many different options, but – if you're not watching how your pins are reacting, you won't be able to make the proper adjustment. So, you may guess it, but you won't be able to you won't be able to pick it out quickly. And so, from a person like myself who uses one set of bowling balls, basically an Adam, right? I want to know if Adam's answered the same thing. Do you watch that stuff, or do you just keep throwing down the middle and just complain if you lean in the corner? He just throws strikes anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I think I just from throwing the star lines, I, I kind of have a gauge and uh, more of a feel of just watching that one ball uh, go down the lane. And if I see it snapping a lot or if I see it roasting corners a lot, uh, then maybe I'll consider going to you know my reactives uh, just to straighten out the line a little bit. Uh, I, honestly, I, I think you can change pretty much everything just by angle. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I'd rather stick with the ball that just feels right and I know that it comes off my fingers correctly and then just find the right angle that, uh, that, that really works within the pocket. But um, that this type of topic enlightens me uh, because I've never really gone through that, that mindset. Uh, I, I see people change balls every game you know, three or four times and it, uh, quite honestly I laugh at it but I, I know there's a bit of a science and a feel to it. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think I, we're on the same page, though, Tim. You and I, you and I are exactly the same. Uh, that's the first time I think we can agree together on that. But, <laughs> but <laughs> we, we, I mean, we, we see Dex and we see him. I mean, big one who changes his balls all the time is Mike Corsier, right? Mikey's always changing the Justin, right? And uh, and sometimes I, I feel like they're like the mad scientists a little bit. I mean, they're. Um, 
But when they do find it, they right, find the right combination, it works, right? It just matters. Maybe if they're tinkering too much, I always felt like. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a proponent of changing bowling balls every, every five frames. You know, I, I think warm up is a huge key. You know, you could find a lot in warm up. Sit there and it's like, oh man, this ball, it feels good. I, I feel like I'm throwing it well, but I'm throwing nothing but chops. And I moved to left and I'm still getting nothing but chops. You, you go and you, you bring out your five-inch star lines, you throw them, and all of a sudden everything splashes. It's, for me, it's all about trying to find what I have the biggest leeway, what, what I have the biggest room for error for. So that's, that's what I spend my warm-up doing. Do I move around? Do I find something? Do I change lines? Do I change balls? And, and where to go from there? And you know what? And sometimes if I'm struggling through a game and, you know, all of a sudden I start getting into the role of punches because my game right now is all strikes or punches, Sometimes it feels good, even though I'm still <laughs> punching. It's dumb. I know I'm doing something wrong, but it feels like I'm releasing the ball okay. Um, sometimes changing a bowling ball isn't a bad option because, you know what, it, you, you may throw it in the same spot, but you might get an extra inch of movement, or you might get an inch less movement. And then, and then maybe you can release the ball the same way and get a much better result. So it's, it's, uh, there's, there's two mindsets. You can either, you know, go with the ball that feels right, or you can go with the body that feels right. Go from there. I think that, um, I think that one of the big things um, for a lot of people, I'm more of a, a technical thinker when it comes to delivery of my ball and breaking my arm swing down or all my mechanics. Um, some people, that does the same thing just by changing bowling balls. And um, for me, I changing a ball is kind of a last resort kind of like what you're saying two decks like if it's if it's feeling good and i just have a couple adjustments to make um that's what i'm going to do instead of you know putting a completely different uh, composition ball in my hand and it being completely foreign to what i'm experiencing you know during that tournament um i'll end up you know possibly setting myself back farther than i'm going to gain um so it's kind of like a last ditch effort I do know a lot of people. I've seen people that, uh, you know, they'll make five or six ball changes in warm up, you know, and it's, I mean, that's not for me, but um, I just feel like sometimes that that's kind of the same idea. Instead of doing all the technical changes, let's let the, the equipment do the change for me. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of times it's just, uh, you know, change for the sake of change, right? All, all of a sudden, it, your mindset just changes for a couple frames and, you know, if you're plowing the first six or seven, you know, finish a game and then go right back to to what's been working your entire career. And I, I know a lot of people do that just to change the mindset. Because once you get too deep into that funk, it's so hard to get out. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a, that's a question we could propose to all you guys. Um, what kind of change do you make when, as Jeff said earlier, when you're power chopping all the time? It feels like a really good shot. It's high in the pocket. It could push just as easily as power chopping, but it chops off. Do you make an adjustment off that, or do you stick with it and hopefully the either the lane breaks down or you your body just changes just a little bit to turn that power chop into a good strike or a corner? Cool. Um, I, honestly, if I'm doing power chops, I'm, I'm throwing bricks. Right, so that, that's me on my end. So if if I'm if I'm power chopping, that means one, my angle isn't right, or two, you know what, my timing's messed. Right, um, I'm a more of a rhythm and timing person than anything, and and you can feel it off your fingers if you're playing well or or whether you're you're too fast and it's a push. Right, so 
Um, then it's whether you're asking yourself, am I just going to play the push? <laughs> right? If I just can't get my timing done, do I just move over and figure out and maybe play the push until my timing gets there? Or do I just um, just try to make that adjustment with maybe a, a smaller first step or, or moving, maybe moving up or changing the angle on it? Yeah, this isn't much of a conversation for me. I, I don't throw that many chops. I, I, I usually tend to roll out to at least a corner. So Man, you're, you're a lucky guy. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. I needed that today. <laughs> for, for me, anyway, um, I'm not one that moves a whole lot. I don't actually change angle um, all that much. Um, I will... Um, kind of do a little bit like what tim said if i'm if i'm throwing power chops i might shorten my first step i might lengthen my first step i mean there's even times where i add a step in my my approach to um just change the angle um of where the ball comes out um and then another one that i do is um i i understand what i'm doing if i'm power chopping on one side well i might lengthen my pendulum swing if i'm power chopping on the other side i might shorten it you know um, and I think that's important to kind of, uh, you know, a, an adjustment for me anyway is um, where my arm swing is and where that ball is going to come out of, uh, you know, out of my hand when I'm in my slide. Uh, that's that's remarkable for you to be able to, like, lengthen or shorten your backswing. That is uh, – that... But it doesn't necessarily even need to be the backswing. I mean, even even generating that pendulum to start, um, yeah. you know, I might bring the ball up more. I might not bring it up as much. Um, yeah, there are times if I'm, if I'm bowling really well, I can feel, um, my backswing and where it needs to be, but it's not mm -hmm. there all the time. I wish it was, but yeah, um, that's the one so, fix that I think you can do. Cause I mean, optically mm -hmm. you're looking right at, um, what your arms, what your hands are doing. Um, if you're bringing a ball up to eye level, well, you know, it's eye level every time. And if you need to adjust off of that, well, you can be slightly below it. You know every ball if you are or not, and you can adjust for that. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I, I, I practice once for an hour trying to have like a lower back swing or try to figure out something maybe throw slower. And Dexter can attest he watched me and nothing changed. But I thought it changed, but nothing mm -hmm. was any yeah, different. <laughs> I feel like the back swing is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, it's, I, it it's so really hard. It was so. It was so. Yeah, it sucks. Ask, but ask Jamin. I, I threw balls Shout out now. to Jamin. Jamin has like bruised knuckles because of his standing behind him with a meter stick. So, <laughs> trust me, he thinks he's getting better. He's not. <laughs> uh, Adam, what about you? Yeah, for I think for the the power chops, uh, for for me, I know it's either speed or it's just a push, lack of fingers, something along those lines. Um, the, I remember back in my you know early adult career, uh, I used to just throw a, even more of a brick than I do now. And the, the biggest change I ever did was change from like a, a, a scorpion uh, to the star line, which actually kind of allowed for a little extra movement out there. And rather than that chop, I was either plowing or as I was getting corners or strikes. But that, that power chop was incredibly difficult to spare, number one. And uh, I, I would rather take my shot at, at plowing or going across and, and taking a corner. Um, so now, I think over the last couple of years, uh, I've, I've really been working more on rolling the ball. 
um, and uh, get, just getting that timing down. So now I, I, I kind of know that my feet have to be in, in really good time and, and really roll the ball. And if I'm power chopping, I, I know my feet are either quick or, uh, you know, I'm pushing the ball or my ball speed's just way too high. So, yeah. And I guess as you three can attest, I, I probably change more than most people. I change balls. I change lines. I even change steps. I'll change sliders, brakes, anything to get comfortable. And uh, chop-offs are I get a lot more chop-offs than I get corners. Uh, sucks that Jeff Young got to see how many corners I actually threw at Sherwood Park. They all came in the <laughs> consolation because I didn't throw any during the eight-gamer. So, uh, you know what? If, if our pinfall wasn't so good, they would have been all chops. Hey, okay. I would have took chops way more. <laughs> I hate corners. They suck. Um, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> corners should be a strike, Tim. Move at the I've 17s. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say, oh, thank God I got a chop on no, that. No, uh, no. <laughs> no I, I, feel, I feel better when I throw a chop off because I know I'm close. If I'm throwing blow by corners, that's a completely different issue. I Either the ball's too heavy, it's blowing through, or my angle's really bad. Where a chop off, chop off is just a small line change, and I can usually carry the corner because I'm not blowing through, it's just chopping. So it's an easier adjustment for me than getting blow through corners. Blow through corners, I'm I'm lost. I have to I have to change whole different, find a different line in or something like that because I'm not going to carry a strike. And it proven in the constellation. Like I I was throwing the ball probably the best I did all weekend, obviously, and except for I just. I just as le- as soon as I let go of the ball, I knew it was a corner, and then you pick up to shoot your spare next lane, blow by corner again. I there was no confidence in the shot at all, and your fingers are bruised after you throw the ball because you're trying to put so much rotation on it to try and carry that corner. Maybe that was the detriment. Sure, sure. Maybe I should have been pushing the ball like Tim Wiseman does, but you know how it goes. No, it, <laughs> it, it didn't work it, out it, well it, for in the line. line. <laughs> in the line. In the line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, for me, it's all about line change, I think, chop-off. Uh, I find the equipment as good. It's just you need a little bit different, shallower line in or even a steeper line in trying to get off of that. A um, mm-hmm. lot easier adjustment than blow-bite corners for me. Sure. Hmm. So how have, been, uh, how have the bowling balls been turning out for you, Jeff? Um still kind of in the creation of uh, a ball that will I guess fit specifications um, we're kind of getting it nailed down um, we do have a ball that's uh, that's actually here um, that uh, is three pounds two ounces and uh, it is uh, just, just we're getting there um, now the um, the composition is something that we're trying to get figured out. Um, trying a different uh, different hardener for the resin. Um, hopefully that uh, will avoid having some settlement in the uh, in the ball itself. Because I mean we we measure the the ball um, with a shorterometer and uh, the one side it registered ninety five and the other side was seventy. <laughs> <laughs> So literally complete opposite ends of the spectrum. So um, that's something that, uh, you know, 
it's going to take some time to figure out. And I think once we get it kind of nailed, nailed down, we're, we're really going to be cooking and, and, uh, a lot of ideas and, and concepts that, uh, that, that we're interested in implying and, uh, and, and making things happen where I feel our sport is kind of lagging behind, you know, um, we have very limited uh, equipment. You know, you look at ten pin, and you know those companies are producing hundreds upon hundreds of balls a day, and they literally have anything that you know you you desire uh, in terms of a bowling ball. We don't have that, and uh, and I also think too, um, if if things go really well and we can kind of start a production, I think there's a real opportunity here to promote the the game's stars as well. Um, and I feel like our sport really lags in that too. Um, you know, you look at somebody like just coming from Ontario, you know, you can watch someone like Mitch Davies bowl and he'll be practicing two lanes over. There'll be, you know, uh, maybe a casual league bowler that, you know, bowl in the same bowling center as he does and not even know who he is, you know, and you're talking about one of the country's best bowlers. Um, and I, I really feel, you know, that needs to change. Um, I think that we have a lot of um, great personalities and great stars, um, and we just don't we don't push their names and their faces good enough. And I really think we need to do that. Yeah, I think that's a a media push that our our associations are just missing out on. Right there. Um, we have the C5, we have Bowl Canada, we have these associations, but do they really mention any of these elite players other than in a newsletter once every four months, if anybody gets to see it? If you don't have a hometown center, you just play in a scratch league, you don't, you don't ever see those, right? Yeah, I I used to play I, I, at Bonnie Dune. Yeah. I never got to see any of that stuff. I play at Heritage. Uh, Shelby will put out some stuff, but I don't see the Nexus or whatever uh, Bull Canada puts out. It that stuff needs to be put in front of the players in your center. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. see that Nexus thing anymore either. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> oh, too soon. Yeah. <laughs> But no, like um, legitimately, I, I like. But, but I, I think I, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just gonna say I just think that um, kind of even going along with what we're talking about with um, the the equipment and what it does to your game, I really think we could have an opportunity where um, we can take some of our our game stars and maybe sit down and and have videos of them explaining kind of you know what they throw, the reason why, you know, and, and give people direction so that they're not making choices simply because the ball's pretty. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that we do at, at our center is educate even in bowling shoes because there's no education there. Um, you know, you're, you've got companies that are designing shoes specifically for 10 pin bowlers. They don't throw the ball the same that we do. Um, Mm -hmm. so people are making bad choices in the bowling shoe that they purchase and it doesn't suit their game. And then they end up um, either getting frustrated and quitting or dish out another $150, $200, to get a different bowling shoe um, and and seeing if that works. So I think that there's a serious hole in our sport that we need to kind of fill. 
Yeah, um, so, you're running into a big issue with that too, right? It People aren't prepared to pay $300 for bowling shoes anymore. Um, you're seeing the movement where people are building their own shoes. And yeah, Dexter Bowling has the patent on Velcro sliders and stuff like that. But it, people aren't going to aren't gonna pay that $350 just because Dexter has the patent. They're going to move. They're going to build their $100 bowling shoes. And they're, ju- they're just as good. Mine, you know, mine, I, cost, uh, mine cost 15 bucks US. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have a hard time selling high-end shoes anymore. You know, and I, yeah. I mean, um, they've come up and asked us, hey, you know, what, what high-end shoe? And, you know, at the end of the day, you're paying $350, $300 for a pair of shoes that are going to blow out in a year or two years, right? If you're playing that, you know, competitively. So I, I feel guilty about selling them to them. I say, tell you what, I have the shoes, I have the heels, and I have the sliders. Go find a pair, cheap pair of shoes, and we know a shoesmith. Why well, just build your own, right? I mean, it's also, I don't know, I, I feel guilty doing that to somebody nowadays, right? You, you know they're going to lose their money, and then at the end of the day, they're going to be happy that, you know, they spend their good, hard-earned money on something better. And, you know, at the end of being more, you know, honestly, they – they appreciate it more, you know, at, at the center, right? So, um, I have a hard time with that. It's, it's. I, I had a pair of tank, tanks. I bought. Um, Carrie, Carrie can attest. I, I went out and, and got them, and I finally changed my shoes after what, 12, 13 years. Blew them out. I cracked them within the first week. Sent them back. I cracked them again. Sent them back, and within the first two months, I sent them back three times, and they're broken. And Dexter's like, can't do much about it, right? So. I, I I asked Shelby if he had a problem with it, and Shelby just said I was fat. But I, I, don't, think, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that was anything with it. But uh, I, I just I just it's not if, even as like people work in the bowling center. If I'm not buying those shoes, there's there's an issue, right? So um, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there, Jeff. The problem is those those companies have got a stranglehold on it right like epco with bowling balls phipps with their soft rolls dexter with their bowling shoes dinaroos was around i think they're 3g like, 3g's yeah the the those companies have a stranglehold on that market and like you said they're built for 10 pin players and they don't care about the canadian market because let's be realistic it's not a market in their eyes it's so small compared to what they got going on already I don't think Phipps has a hold on the market. It's just that Phipps is the only company that's offered something different outside of Epco in a hundred years, right? I think there's lots of room in that market. It's just nobody else has moved in. No, for so, sure. Uh, that that's my point. Is they've they haven't brought out anything new in the last decade, right? Well, they've yeah, they've stuck with what works. And neither, <laughs> yeah, Phipps has had the same bowling balls forever. And Epco has done the same. They just rotate through them, you know. Every once in a while, they'll discontinue something and bring them back in five years. So it looks new, but it's all it's all the same. So it's nice to have somebody thinking outside the box, wanting to do something different. And he, you've got tons of ideas, tons of ideas. I'd really love to throw that half and half, like <laughs> that half and half ball. That'd, that'd be we fun. Could probably, we could probably make it happen. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, well, Jeff is here. I mean, Dexter wanted to talk about 17 inches with him, right? Because you you did have him at Elmira, did you not? We still do, yeah. Okay. 
Um, what are your thoughts? How, how do you how do you see it? So I do know that um, the basis for having the um, 17 inch centers actually started as an aid more for um, the slower thrower of a bowler, um, you know, the seniors and uh, maybe some some ladies that don't throw quite as much much gusto as the guys do. Um, from a competitive aspect, I really don't see any difference um, for a lot of the guys. I mean, um, I mean, my place scores fairly well, so um, I don't I don't see any decline or really incline there. Um, I'm sure the Wisemans can attest that you know um, seniors, regardless. I mean, they're going to give you fits about corner pins. Um, they're the uh, they're the nemesis to every senior bowler out there. And uh, I mean, I really don't think it's for us anyway. Um, really made that much of an impact on um, improving their scores. Um, I really, I really don't. Um, we're continuing to run them. Um, I really, I don't see, I don't see a benefit for someone really um, switching from 18 to 17. Cause I can tell you from experience, cause I did it all myself. It's a lot of work. Um, yeah. And, uh, and for, you know, negligible gain, it's probably not worth it. <clears throat> um, do you notice a difference in with the seniors? Do they get more kicks like um, corner pins getting deflect, like the three pins deflecting more like uh, or uh, slower throwing uh, uh, ladies as well. So I know that I think this is, maybe year three that we've had it, maybe like maybe year three or four that we've been running 17s. I think it's year three. Um, if I were to go back and kind of look at even like their averages um, in our seniors leagues, I really don't, I really wouldn't even notice. I don't think a difference to be honest with you. Um, but uh, as well, when we first did it, um, we also had black bases. We don't have black bases anymore. Um, so, so yeah, so I mean, I like I said, I, I just I just don't think that um, it's really improved. I mean, just uh, straight lip service and hearing you know seniors um, yeah. talking on a oh. weekly basis. Obviously, it's gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's that's the nature of the beast, right? So, um, did you notice a difference from when you had the seventeens with the black bases as the seventeens without the black bases? The one thing that I'll say, and I, I mean, I don't know how um, how much durability they have now, um, but when we did the black bases, um, we really only got um, maybe eight months to a year um, before they kind of wore crooked. And um, for the cost and the benefit of it, it just it didn't it didn't work in our favor. Um, you know, the first six months that we have them. And scores are outrageous, but as the bottoms wear wore down a little bit, you know, it started regressing back to the means again. And, you know, then we just spent a bunch of money for six months worth of good bowling. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, fortunately for us, and we're an eight lane center. So, I mean, we could, if we really wanted to, we could continuously purchase those bases and, and replace them. But I mean, you know, a 20 lane, 40 lane center, they're not going to do that every year. From from our standpoint, um, the the uh, durability of them have significantly increased. We've had uh, almost they, no yeah we've had almost no problems with them. We put on a set 
well it was a long time ago and they they were years ago they were good for a really long time and we just replaced them now only because we had new pins so like i do literally the I do know, like, we have one, one bowler that doesn't bowl in our place um, that is continuously bugging me about switching to black bases. Shout out Mitch Davies. Um, <laughs> so he'd be, happy, he'd be happy to hear that. Uh, he did promise that if we ever went to black bases with 17-inch centers that he would make the hour and change drive to oh, bowl please. league. So, yeah. you know. And you know he would, too. Well, hundred percent, he would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there was another center in Ontario, a bigger center that changed over to black bases on some sets to see how well it was received, and uh, they ended up having pretty good scores. He said so, uh, optimistic. He said, mm-hmm. yeah. And this is something that I've said for a long time is I really think that's what the difference is with Bonnie Dune as opposed to all the other places is that they've done both, and with both the pinfall's been crazy, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, he, hearing from this other center that uh, that has a number of lanes and then finally all 17s and then decided to do, you know, three lanes or four lanes of the black bases and, and see the significant increase in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, we, we, we went away from it just strictly from a, um, a lifespan uh-huh. basis, right? So, I mean, yeah. if that's changed, then, you know, maybe you know, our opinion of it changes as well. But, um, you know, I mean, we're happy with what we have anyway. It's 17 mm-hmm. inches, white standard bases. Things seem to be going okay. And the best yeah. scoring you know system ever. You know it. Yeah. yeah. I love Dynascore, man. That that was the best program ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Light years ahead of everything else. Still I have no ahead idea of... how it ends back. Still ahead of some of the stuff, you know. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. we actually just had somebody in last week, um, who was, I guess, um, a bit of a like a mega buff, and uh, he uh, he wants to do like a full like a full like video on us operating the system, and he was telling us because, I mean, parts are getting hard to find, um, okay. you know, mm-hmm. um, and you you know you're running on a computer that you just hope when you walk in in the morning still running. Um, but uh, he has connections that say that we can swap everything over into um, you know a newer computer, and uh, we don't have that fear anymore. But um, we're also we also have somebody who's designing a uh, scoring system for us. Um, he's got a he's got it recording games. It's just not pretty yet, and uh, he he needs to kind of get a guy that's uh, can understand the web base part of it and. Uh, and you know, add animations and stuff to make it look good. It, would it have the same features as like? I'm assuming you guys still use Dynaset, right? Where you can set any yep. pin at any time. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Um, that's the beautiful thing too is, um, yeah, you know, being able to sit down and tailor what you want for the scoring system. Um, you know, having that dialogue and saying, you know, I would really like this feature, or why can't we do this feature? Um, and, and having that back and forth so that we can kind of build something that, you know, it is actually, to be honest with you, catered to Fipen more than anything else mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and making Fipen a priority so that uh, we can, you know, put some efficient scoring systems into bowling centers. Yeah, as we all know, uh, sitting there and waiting four and a half minutes for a pin chaser to figure out the count on the yeah. pins, it, it just... Dynaset was unreal. It would automatically reset the two pin up if it came yeah. out of the gutter. Like, it made the game so much faster when you're running a big tournament like that. Even just um, 
practicing. You know, if uh, if I have a tournament coming yeah. up and I want to throw some balls, I don't necessarily want to bowl games. Maybe I want to shoot chops. You know, I can shoot three twos and just set it up and just reset, reset, reset. You know, yeah. nonstop for hours at a time. So it's it's useful. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, how about this for a question? Um, what do you guys do for? Um, Staying game ready, uh, and by game ready, I mean um, not necessarily being fit, but um, you know, <laughs> as we're getting older, um, you know, I myself deal with issues from uh, you know a bad knee and a bad hip on my sliding leg, and um, I was, was banging out some calculations actually today, and uh, if the five pin bowler throws a uh, ball 55 miles an hour and it's three pounds 10 ounces it generates about 550 foot pounds of torque each ball they throw um what are we doing to um you know make sure our joints are good or um what kind of tim has directed you what kind of big <laughs> exercises are you doing oh, <laughs> oh wow oh i I, I don't know if you've seen the podcast before, but me and Johnny have kind of moved towards a, you know, fat bowlers or better bowlers movement. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I was working out all the time and when I was super fit, I, the biggest thing I found is, well, A, obviously um, longevity was there. Uh, there, was, there was definitely no issue of, like, stamina at all. Um, yeah, whereas... You know, Adam Weber last year, I had to hold his legs down and stretch his legs during TPC so he can make it through. I don't, I didn't have any of that. But the biggest thing I found, and it's a little bit off topic, was that by being active and physically fit and doing mostly doing the weight training, is that the weight training made me far more aware of my body motions because mm-hmm. um, you had to be perfect for your form for all that stuff. So when it came time to go back to bowling. Uh, you know, I, I could, I could, I, I found I could feel the slightest mistake a lot easier because I was so used to the form. But um, other than that, a good, a good diet of beer and pizza is, is the way to go. <laughs> oh, is a solid choice. <laughs> well, I mean, like, what would you, what would you recommend? Um, so, say you have um, youth bowlers coming up, and you know, I mean, majority of youth bowlers all they all do the same thing. They they're flailing their arms and throwing it as hard as they can. What advice would you give them? Um, you know, kind of uh, knowing what you do now, if you could go and tell them, you know, these are things that you should do to prepare yourself for a long career. Because, you know, you're seeing a lot of guys that are, you know, in their 30s burning out. And it, probably a lot of it has to do with just, you know, um, nutrition, you know, workout regimen mm-hmm. or lack thereof. And you see guys, and I mean, and I, I look at it in Ontario, you have like Jeff Stevens and Terry Little that are, you know, they're not a spring chicken anymore, but, you know, they're still performing out in the lanes. And you really have to admire that longevity, you know, that what would you, what would you, your advice be um, for that 18 or 19 year old that's sitting on top of the world thinking I'm never going to get hurt? Um, to be honest with you, I, Two different aspects of, of that a question I'll answer. One is when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, I, 
playing Bonnie Doon, you just you get this. You honestly, you just end up chucking the ball more than anything down there, right? And uh, the biggest thing I'll always remember is that um, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of great people over the years. Tom Stevenson was our coach growing up, and and Lynn Howell and you know Gino and Bruce and all those guys. We it was kind of was natural. We kind of followed with them, but. Uh, uh, Perry Gillum, I don't know if you guys remember Perry, but Perry was we used to play on our Sunday night league, and he's like Tim, like you have all the tools there, but you, you're not finishing the shot. It's both the roll more than the chuck, right? So one bonus is when you're playing with Cubica, you can see the the uh, how fast you throw, right? And I end up being I used to be like 48, 49, and and used to be really good there, but I couldn't play anywhere else. And then I end up just uh, slowing my ball down to about 44, 45. But I end up with the, the finish on it, and, and I, I really wish I knew that a lot, a lot earlier in my career. And thank God I, I figured it out when I was about 23 or 24 that you know I was good. But then I, I think I'm a way better player now, and uh, you don't necessarily have to throw the ball hard enough. I, I think if I was throwing that, uh, that speed and and being my peak physical condition I am now, I don't think I'd necessarily be the greatest. You guys still there? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're good. But uh, I okay. think. Uh, I think my big thing is uh, right now is you, you watch all these kids is, and they get you're over. Uh, it's great that they throw enthusiasm and, and uh, emotion a lot, but there's a, there's a point in, in the game or in the trials and the qualifying or on Sunday that you have to conserve your energy. Right. And, and I, I figured that out a lot, you know, over the last four or five or six years that, you know, conserve your energy, maybe not stand for eight or, 13 hours right maybe take a little bit of a break or or uh learn how to conserve it that way or get get emotional when you need to um we i got we, we big topic down in edmonton was we were, we were playing the 40s down in calgary and people were coming out of their shoes halfway through the first game like uh there's eight there's seven seven and a half other games and i think for me personally i think it's just conserving energy now and and knowing when to to expel it and and just I, I feel better mentally, to be honest with you, with uh, with doing that. Uh, I think uh, nutrition is a great point, Jeff, um, and I mm-hmm. think it's a lot of something that not a lot of people even consider in bowling. Um, but when you are bowling for you know twelve hours in a day, you need to be aware of it, and that does mean staying hydrated, and that doesn't mean drinking pop the entire time. Um, it also means avoid Dr. the sugary stuff. Yeah, sorry. Red Bull, all that stuff. You avoid avoid the sugary stuff. You don't want like the um, you don't you don't want the the simple carbs because you, you're gonna you're gonna crash. You know, stick with the protein. Stay, stick with like the complex carbs, stuff like that. Uh, it it does make a big difference. Don't eat the sugar <laughs> because you you're gonna have that high. You're gonna have that crash. Try, try to stay uh, maintain an even level the entire time and make sure you eat. And I think, I think Adam may have like felt some of that at TPC. I experienced, experienced it once before and it, it made a big difference is that, you know, I, I was running uh, two sides at Scottsdale one year and I hadn't eaten. And then I got to the fours on both sides and I crashed and burned. I uh, felt like I was going to die. And then the TPC, the, the same season, I ran both sides and that was the year I won. But the big thing, the big difference was I knew I crashed and burned because I didn't eat in Scottsdale. So you, you've got to you've got to maintain, you know, some sort of nutrition level throughout throughout the day, and it has to be a good nutrition, for sure. You had a hot dog, didn't you? 
I had a hot dog or two. <laughs> yeah. As one of the elder statesmen, I, I wish I knew more about stretching back back in the day, right? Um, I still remember Shamrock Lanes in Airdrie, you know, Linda Raymond. Uh, before any tournament, uh, youth tournament, she would always make everybody stretch for like 15 minutes. And I remember all the youth were just up in arms and nobody wanted to do it. Like nowadays, uh, if I don't stretch, I know it's going to be a real tough night if I play games. So I, I, that's one thing I, I really wish I knew back uh, back in my youth. Yeah, um, as somebody that's battled through a couple injuries, like um, not, I don't know how many people know this, but back in the day when I played competitive baseball, I had a major shoulder injury, and I still throw the ball fairly hard. I throw 52 to 55 kilometers an hour. I make sure to stretch, and it doesn't have to be like, once you're on the lane, stretch your arms out. It could be a gradual stretch. Move your arms when you walk into the bowling alley. Get it ready. And the second is hydration. Make sure you drink water. You've got to keep your muscles hydrated. Um, like Adam, I'm sure um, everybody here, you play a national event and you play a whole day long. If you don't have anything, you're going to cramp up. You're going you're gonna to run into some uh, endurance problems and it's uh it's huge to keep keep hydration and make sure make sure to stretch every once in a while it's always always good to keep your your muscles and your ligaments a little bit uh loose you don't want to just run up to a lane and throw the ball 55 miles per hour because it's not going to be good for your your shoulder or your knees or your hip um back a few years ago my hips were giving me lots of problems and it was due to my speed, I do believe, getting to the line a little too quick and then trying to stop right away. So my game has changed away from that a little bit. I slide full-footed now. I don't have a break so much anymore. Um, but like you said, Jeff, that that's a learning curve. To give these all these kids a heads up, uh, less impact on your body is going to make it last a lot longer. That's for sure. And the simpler, the better. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I doubt he listens, but I mean, Nick Utley is a prime example. Uh, he, I, I commend him for his abilities, but man, like it, it's got to be hard on the body. You know, having the backswing that high, you're, you're swinging sideways, you're sliding sideways. Um, it, it's got to take a toll for sure. So the simpler you could do things, the more natural body movements you have, the the better chance you have in longevity, I think. Well, even you could take even our latest champion, Lonnie Akers. I'm yeah. sure his body isn't 100% after a tournament. He, he's got to have some wear and tear on his body. His style isn't totally outlandish, but it is definitely out of the norm, right? So he's got to prepare his body for that long week as well, right? That's uh, a... Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm guessing he's got to have at least a sore hip out of that. But. For sure. Yeah. Uh, he only had to run I one mean... side. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, Sorry, I think Gino's, uh, Gino's a really good example. I mean, his, his style is so simple. Like, there's like two movements, right? And there's a reason why he's still able to compete in his age. Yeah. Right? So. 
He also has a mechanical arm, so that probably helps too. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a mechanical aid. So it's still yeah, we're not yeah. points. <laughs> I'll pull that. Actually, pull that one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only other one that uh, that I, I thought we probably should have touched base a little bit more on last week uh, was, uh, you know, kind of the, the growing concern of. of just how much anger there is out on the lanes during a tournament now. And I know, you know, the TPC, you know, tried to, you know, more poke fun at it a little bit with, uh, you know, throwing the band-aids and everything everywhere. Uh, maybe make make the awareness level there without, you know, really coming down on people. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, seems, those... it's, it seems to be getting worse and worse every tournament. Yeah, and then, then there's the, the people who always think that they're getting better. I've turned a new leaf and... And then the, the, the first ones they hit it. Um, for those of you who don't know or who weren't at TPC, um, every time that somebody hit something, kicked something, broke something, um, we stuck a Band-Aid on it because that machine is hurt. So <laughs> um, it was a way of poking fun at it and, uh, and to sort of uh, tally up how much is, I'm telling you, our seniors found band-aids for like three days after the tournament. I'm still finding glue on things. Like it's, it, it, it was everywhere. But I, I, mean, yeah. I go ahead. We, we had a senior, right? Monday morning come up pre-bowl and uh, he's like, what's his band-aid on his bowling ball? It's Mark Johnstone's. It has his name on it. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, so we'll just take that off the bowling ball right now. No worries. <laughs> he thought it was funny, though. I explained it to him. He thought it was great. I, I understand the anger. Like it, like I said, we talked about this before. It's the, it's the, one of the only games out there where there is absolutely no release. Um, but there has to be a more constructive way of doing it. Uh, you don't see a lot of ladies hitting things. You don't see a lot of ladies do it. You see a lot of ladies, yeah. like, Hit their leg. Leg slap, yeah. Yeah, the leg slap. And I, yeah. Well, I mean, some dudes cry too, but uh, the, the, the leg slap is, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that's more of an acceptable standard. I mean, if you're going to take your anger out on something, you're the one that did it, right? So If I've learned anything, it's the bowling alley's fault, not the bowler. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, have this turned into one of those seniors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, graybeard. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, one of the my opinion of the whole Band-Aid uh, situation um, now I, I did I did hear a few people, I talked to a few people about it and there were some people who were like, well, you know like they're kind of laughing at something that's a little more serious um, kind of being a people watcher and seeing those people you know, punch a ball return um, and and just seeing their reaction when they get called out on it might be a deterrent enough because they're mm -hmm. you're embarrassing them. Um, you know, they were out of line and you're centering them out and everybody in the bowling center knows who did it. Um, I mean, that might deter a couple people. Um, I'm not one that actually hits equipment. Now that I'm a proprietor, I smarter than that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is a growing problem. I mean, across the country where, um, you know, you do see, a lot of equipment taking uh, taking a brunt of you know people's frustrations and 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 you know as a proprietor, I mean, there's no room for that in our game. To yeah. be honest. Um, and like Adam kind of touched on it, he he sees it it as it kind of getting worse. Um, 
I, I think it's a lot more frequent. I don't know if it's worse though, because you hear horror stories of the past and I'll, re I'll leave them nameless, but I've heard where guys have put their hands through bowling ball returns. They put it through walls. They put it through doors. I haven't seen an actual damage to equipment or to walls in quite some time. Um, so I think that has gone down the, the noise distraction obviously is still there. Um, but like Jeff said, I, I think we, we called out a few people on it at TPC and some of them were embarrassed and they brought it up. And yeah. hopefully it does become a deterrent. It's not, it's not something that we want to see because obviously it doesn't benefit anybody. We had a few people who started ripping, yeah. ripping them off, the ones that they did, and I just put it, go back down there and put them back on. <laughs> if you're gonna be, yeah. but if you're gonna be embarrassed about it, don't do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, like, really. To be, to be honest with you, I, I thought it was gonna go either one of two ways. One is they're gonna be upset about it because their names are, or two, it would enable people to start chucking shit and doing things on purpose, right? Um, and so I, I, I think it, at least it went the other way. I think. Um, and you know, it's funny because I, I, I was, I honestly, I. Uh, a lot of this stuff sometimes and my glass is half empty and Mark and Dexter wanted to do it. And I'm like, well, you guys can do it without me kind of thing. And uh, it was funny seeing like if, if I saw one on 15, 16 and, and all of a sudden 11 and 12 and 13, 14, it's almost like pointing like, hoo, 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 right at this guy. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, I mean, I, I just barely touched it. Well, no, you're getting, you're getting screwed here. Here. Here's a here's a, a bandaid, right? So, yeah. so so I understand that you know we're we're making light of it and we're you know bringing it up, but it it, it is a it's I think it's a bigger concern than you know just poking fun at it also, right? Um, you know when you take a look at the numbers that are out there, you're you're talking you only 10, 12 people out of the two hundred and forty entries say at, at at the TPC that uh, that we're doing it. That means what ninety some percent are, are on the other spectrum. And at that point, I think we're going to have to start, you know, formulating ways to protect those bowlers a little bit better uh, or, or somehow try to curb it to enhance their efforts uh, at these events, right? I, I have a solution. Um, going back to Duckpin, full circle, um, they have uh, a tournament committee uh, aboard for their pro tour. And every tournament they have a meeting the Sunday morning before the playoffs, um, they will discuss situations where so-and-so has punched a ball return or kicked something and no words are said. Uh, a fine is mailed to the bowler to their home address. And you don't, you do not bowl until that fine is paid. And yeah. depending, depending on the severity of the incident, the fine can increase. Um, it might be 10 bucks, it might be 75 depending on what they do. That so. is something that I was going to suggest too, because we wish it on our first ever WCBT fine <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at this year's TPC. Shout out Mark, Mark Miller. Mark Miller. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that is, that is an option for sure. Especially the ones who signed off on, on the membership and code of conduct. Well, yeah, see if it, and that, that's something that WCBT maybe handcuffed on issuing a fine right we we could definitely do it to our members but if somebody that isn't a member does it right what are we going to do about that that would have to be a, a host committee deciding yeah. that they're going to fine or reprimand 
the player somehow, some way, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, because Jeff, I'm not obviously you would probably know any open player can come play any of the four events. But if you're a member of the WCBT, you're awarded points and are eligible for the yeah. Tour Championship at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. That's that's mm -hmm. really the only thing that sets the WCBT away from the four tournaments, right? For sure. But I mean, if oh. it's if it's the um, governing body of the tournament, I mean, I, I understand that they're you know two different entities in one, but you know one stands with the other. Um, I really don't think it it matters if it's if it's the WCBT or the host center, as long as there's an understanding and an, and an agreement amongst all the hosts and the tour itself that, Hey, this can't happen. This is a problem. Right. Um, we're going to hand out a fine. So, you know, this bowler cannot bowl in Regina until it's paid. Then, then that's the way it needs to be. Um, to be, to be honest with you, we can have on the sign up sheets, you can sign a code of conduct if you so choose to, right? Maybe yeah. that's a way of going. And that's something the WCBT could maybe even, um, because they're providing the live streaming for these events, if it happens on live stream, then the WCBT would have every right to mm -hmm. um, issue a penalty for that okay. incursion. And, right? let, and let's face it too, like um, when, you, when you go to a tournament like the TPC, um, a lot of people don't really understand that the the commitment and the sacrifice for the bowling center and the proprietors. And, um, you know, it's not, you know, just a big money generating machine for them. Um, they're doing it for the love of the game. And, uh, without those host centers, you know, you don't have stuff like this to bowl in. And, um, you know, what's the quickest way to stop centers from hosting damage to their property. It's not becoming, uh, uh, an idea that they're interested in, then they're not going to do it. And then you're searching for centers. And, you know, once word gets around that, you know, well, they have a couple guys that get a little carried away and you're not going to be able to find hosts. Then, you know, then what happens to the tour? And that's, you know, that's a real concern down the road. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, this will be another shout out, but uh, Jeff out here, Mike Tweedy lets everybody know that they don't make any money at that tournament. So uh, everybody out West knows what kind of predicament the proprietors are in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, just, I think, I think too, like, so coming from a more of an Ontario standpoint, um, when we have club tours, you know, they're, they're hosted at NEBS and, and the Englands do a great job. And you see this, you know, magnificent bowling center that has literally, you know, is literally an amusement park and a bowling center. But no one really stops to understand that, you know, yeah, we're hosting a tournament at this place, but they're technically losing money by hosting this tournament because there's a waiting list for, you know, families that are spending way more money than, than the tournament bowler is. And they're taking that sacrifice and saying, you know what, that's fine. We love the game enough that we're going we're gonna to run this tournament anyway. And, yeah. you know, they're taking a cut out of their own pocket. And, yeah. and I, I think in our, in our end of the, of the spectrum, a lot of bowlers in Ontario don't really stop to understand that because they're like, oh, these guys make so much money. Look at all the people in here. But yeah, they could be making more if we weren't here. So yeah. we should be thankful that we are. Yeah, when yeah. you're renting a lane out by the hour as compared to mm -hmm. a tournament bowler, right? It, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. But. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 
Pe- people forget the business concept of profit over potential profit. And yeah. Potential profit is huge, yeah. right? So, but but on the other end, though, Desher and I can attest this is the TPC with us promoting it so well and having such a like packed uh, event the whole weekend, and us moving our leaks, and we're so we're not losing money off our leaks technically. We actually this first time we probably made like normally what we would normally make. So, yeah. um, so I mean it, it goes back to the host center and the community too. You can make it profitable. You just have to work at it. So. Well, thanks very much, guys, for coming out. Um, I'm just gonna end the podcast here. If you want to continue talking after, that's perfectly fine with me. Um, I just like thank Jeff Young for joining us. Uh, hopefully, we can get into a podcast in the future. Anytime. Awesome. And once again, thanks Adam. Thanks Dex. Thanks Tim. You guys are always full of uh, information, some good, some not so much, but uh, <laughs> like Adam's contribution to the bowling ball conversation, that was stellar. <laughs> I throw balls. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm old. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah.